Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. And we're having a little technical difficulty on our opening jingle, which shows that it's it's running, but we're not hearing it. So uh, apologize for that. Uh, today is Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. And again, my name is Paul Segreto, reporting live from the hot and humid area of, of Houston, Texas, where we're in the midst of a, of a tropical storm. And, of course, my co-host, Stan Friedman, is reporting live from Atlanta. And before Stan comes on, I want to issue a big thanks to Stan because it's four years ago today that I can actually say that Stan Friedman saved my life. Stan, how are you today? <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people. You just put a bullseye on my back, Paul. There are a lot of people who come after me now that they know that, that I'm responsible for you still being here. And they're going to go, what are you thinking of? Franchise pros. Stand the man. Hey. Time to show the way. A franchise Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights that pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear It's streaming in HD, so fine tune both your ears And Stan and Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising Proving concepts to start enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. Yeah. Well, Stan, I think today is that <laughs> is that one day a year when we got technical difficulties. We had to have a last-minute uh, guest change because our original guest scheduled for today, Dennis Elliott from Mako, is stuck in some type of huge delay fiasco with, uh, with American Airlines. And fortunately, we have a guest with us, Doug Bertram, CEO and founder of Structural Elements, who we'll be introducing here shortly, who was uh, kind enough to jump on uh, at the last minute. Uh, it's the anniversary, kind, kind anniversary of, like, of like saving my life. Yeah, kind of like Badlands Bad jumping on in the last minute. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I mean, I had, I, I mean, I clicked on it and it just showed that it was spinning, <laughs> and then it, it anyway, all good. So yes, you got a a target on you for saving my life. I'll never forget that day, and uh, and thank the Lord that uh, every time I think about it, that that you were there, and uh, I really appreciate it more than you could imagine. Well, I'm. I'm you know, I hope I never have to do that again for you or anyone, Paul. But, you know, I, I kind of recounted the story a few weeks ago, too, when we were in New York for IFE. And, of course, I had my 
annual meal at Clyde Frazier's, which is where that event between us took place and uh, thought about it as I always do every time I go by the place. So glad it worked out. I know, and I always always tweet you when I'm there. I mean, (laughs) I I sat this year uh, in the table next to it. Last year I sat down in the table that we were sitting at, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stare it in the face every time I'm in New York. I'm going to Clyde. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to look at it and say, nah, 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 you didn't get me. <laughs> because I had Stan as my guardian angel. <laughs> well, may we both have many more meals there, uh, individually and or together, but may, you know, never have to do that again is uh, yeah, no, no. all about. Pretty scary. Well, pretty scary. Got a couple of things to share here at the front of the house before we bring our guest in today, Paul. And some of it, well, all of it is inspiring, and it's all good news. Um, I'll lead with a a story that appears on uh, IFA CEO chair, or IFA CEO Robert Crisante's blog, which which, um, screams out loud with praise. For, and success and big smiles for what happened yesterday when the Department of Labor announced a final rule on association health plans. And oh, is this great news for us. Essentially, the rule expands the definition of employer to allow for increased access to association health plans and also includes a safe harbor from any new potential joint employer liability as a result of participating in one of these new health care plans. Bottom line is, for years, franchising has been lobbying amongst for, for many things, but amongst them and, and key to uh, success of small businesses in, in the franchise business model would be association health care. And it is finally there. And to have this this allowance with the safe harbor that um, nobody that takes advantage of this has to worry about uh, joint employer as the result, there is a complete safe harbor exemption. So any franchisor that jumps in, and avails themselves of this new opportunity will do so without any fear of it putting another peg in a square uh, to benefit uh, the, the other side of the joint employment life, which we all hate. So the bottom line is great, great news, and um, and we've got to spread the word and let everybody know about that. And as uh, as we do, a couple of other things that I want to call out that are very in- inspiring and motivating. This week, I stumbled across. In doing some research for the front of the house, I stumbled across uh, somebody from Entrepreneur. He's actually a VIP contributor to Entrepreneur. His name is Jonathan Long. And Jonathan has put together 30 motivational quotes to help you realize your entrepreneurial dreams and categorize them. And so there's a total of 30. I'm not going to read them all, but in four categories, identifying your dreams. The one that jumps off the page for me is build your own dreams or someone else will, and they'll hire you to build theirs. So that's that's one great quote. Believe that you can achieve anything in that category. What jumps off the page for me is if you can dream it, you can do it. And that, of course, was Walt Disney. In the category of envision greatness, I love this one. I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than attempt nothing and succeed. And that came from Robert Schuller. And the last I'll share is, under setting goals to achieve your dreams, the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. Great quote from Vince Lombardi. I'm going to post all of these on, uh, on my blog uh, at frmsolutions.com, and you can find them there maybe later today or early tomorrow. 30 great quotes, and, and they're categorized perfectly to help you really organize them in your head and, 
and live them so that you can make them a reality. And speaking of great quotes and great people and great things happening, I want to just make sure everybody's aware that June 27th, next week, Wednesday's Wednesday Wise webinar, IFA's Wednesday Wise webinar, will feature our good friends from BDO, Jay Duke, Alan Stevens, who's an audit partner, and Angela Newell, national assurance partner, and they're going to be talking about the all-important need for education on the implications. My mouth is not working today, Paul. Education on implications of revenue recognition as the result of the emerging tax reform. This is a key and important subject, and I know that uh, it's a week away, but, you know, a lot of our listeners download us after the fact, so this will always be available in the Wednesday Wise webinar library through IFA. So no matter when you're hearing this, you can still go out and find this and avail yourself of this great intellectual capital being provided by our friends at BDO. And lastly, Paul, I just want to give a high five to our friends at Christian Brothers um, Automotive. I came across another article on Entrepreneur that features a great and inspiring story um, about a, a lady named Janita White who quit her job, moved to Texas, and became a Christian Brothers Automotive franchisee, opening her second store. This story inspires me twice because it's a female entrepreneur in the automotive business. I mean, that's that's a big one. And also because of my love for putting the word out on diversity in franchising. Janita's African-American, so an African-American female opening up her second franchise in Texas, living the dream and inspiring others to do the same, and she's a pillar of her community and a servant leader, and I'm going to talk with her somewhere um, in the next week or so and see if we can't get her on with us. I think she'd be an ins- inspirational guest for our audience. And, Paul, I'm going to leave it at that since we had a little bit of a hiccup this this week, I don't want to take too much time away from today's guest, so maybe I'll just back away and, and uh, let you take it from here and, and bring our guest, Doug Bertram, into the conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. That's great information, uh, Stan. I really appreciate it. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. You know, Christian Brothers and Mark Carr, the uh, founder, was actually one of my first wholesale accounts when I was a franchisee with uh, Atlas slash Mr. Transmission back in 1995. And, um, and Mark had the one location. And actually, as I went through my mid-year crisis and had a, uh, a Corvette, an older Corvette, uh, Mark and his team did the complete uh, engine restoration for me. So it's, it's amazing how this great web of franchising connects us in so many different ways. I also want to say uh, a special birthday wish to Mary Kennedy Thompson, who was the, um, at the age of 29 years old yesterday. And of course, she was a guest on Franchise Today for a second time uh, a few weeks ago. Happy birthday, Mary. That was her second so, 29, uh, too, as, right? Well, one and a half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure how old Mary is, but, you know, if I it, went it doesn't by matter. the yeah, the exuberance in her voice, she definitely uh, sounds young at heart for sure, without a doubt, as do many people at the uh, uh, at the Dwyer Group. Great things going on, by the way, at the Dwyer Group. God, another, another private equity firm. Wow, great stuff. It was an interesting article, too, Stan, and I thought you were going to bring it up about 
um, raw capital and what they've done with brands since they've um, uh, since they've uh, you know been involved in their in their ownership. And a matter of fact, and I know you have some ties into or, or some connections into raw capital. I would love to get them on a show in the future. Somebody from there because uh, they're doing be a idea. great thing. And yeah, talk about yeah, and the- helping to put franchising on the map. I mean, I was reading that article, and I was just, God, I didn't realize that, or I didn't remember that. I mean, they've just done an unbelievable job. And, of course, it's just gotten other private equity players, you know, interested in the franchise space when they look at the great job Roar Capital has done. And so uh, kudos to Roar Capital. Uh, In fact, I'm going to leave it with you to bring somebody on from Roar I'll make that a mission that I can bite on, and I can make that happen, I'm sure. And I read that article with a great deal of interest, and, and um, I was actually going to do a little more research into it before bringing, uh, bringing it to the audience probably next week. But one thing I do know for sure that I took out just reading the captions, Paul, was that they're, they're, the study that was done has shown that companies that have affiliated with Rourke have improved unit level economics for franchisees. And the, the research kind of honed in on how all the stakeholders in a work transaction win, you know, the company who buys it, yeah. the franchisor who's, who's being acquired and down to the unit level, the franchisees and you know, have all benefited in large part uh, at the unit economic level. It basically, one of the takeaways I saw in that article was work is a company who's really not interested in increasing the numbers of units as much as they are interested in, in improving the, the, numbers of the units and so it's all about the thing that matters most in franchising which is franchisees making money and and being profitable and putting the word sustainable in front of the word growth yep as badland says sustainable growth and sensible franchising franchise today that's where we are today with franchise today Uh, and as i said at the beginning of the uh, broadcast uh, we had a guest scheduled today Dennis Elliott from Mako, who's stuck in a huge delay, from what I understand, with American Airlines and just could not be here. And our good friends at All Points Public Relations uh, jumped uh, into uh, crisis mode and brought with us today uh, Doug Bertram, CEO and founder of Structural Elements. Doug, come to a franchise today. Well, thank you for having me. Even if I'm the alternative, hey, I'm still I'm still honored to be on. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to start off by saying that you guys are lucky this is a radio show. Otherwise, everybody would have had to watch me dance during your intro there. And uh, I'm just good enough that it would have been hard to look away. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, again, thanks thanks for having me. And, and also, you started off with the Vince Lombardi quote. I'm a Packer fan, so, you know, I must be in the right spot. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Our friends uh, Troy and uh, and Tim Mady from uh, – FC Datsun will appreciate that. That's for sure. Diehard <laughs> Packer fans. Um, there you go. You know, it, it's, you know, it, yeah, you might have been the alternative guest, but, you know, you were on somebody's short list and, uh, and all points uh, sprung to action. And uh, so we appreciate that, and especially since, you know, we do live shows and it's this transparency, the, the snafus with technology, the, the laughter, the, uh, the sadness. I mean, we've had a couple of shows of late that uh, really had a sad tone to it. Um, the last minute, um, you know, guest appearances. I mean, it's, 
it's all good. So we do appreciate you being with us today. You know, as we do my with uh, all our guests, as we do with all our guests, um, and, I'm, and I'm over here chuckling because, again, the transparency of the show, Stan and I text each other back and forth through the show to keep the show flowing along. And uh, Stan received a, uh, a text from me that was not meant from him, and he just sent me a, a, a comment back, so I'm chuckling about that, and I'll tell you about that later, Stan. But anyway, um, as <laughs> Doug, as we ask uh, a lot of our guests uh, at the beginning of the show, and it really has turned out to be uh, a really interesting part of the show because it brings the, the human interaction, the, the, the thought process, the perspective of, of how you got into franchising because we don't, you know, jump in an early age and say, you know, I think I'll get involved in, in franchising. Uh, as Stan likes to say, you know, franchising usually finds us. So if you would, you know, roll back the clock, um, put it in reverse, and, and take us back as far as you want, knowing that we have a limited amount of time, of course. Uh, we want to talk about the consumer proposition and the franchise proposition uh, of your brand. But, but roll back the clock. And, and, and tell us uh, about a starting point and how it basically led you into franchising. Yeah, no, I think that, that that quote couldn't be accurate in my case, uh, um, for sure. I mean, uh, I literally, uh, you know, found or franchise found me as a pop-up survey on, uh, on I believe it was uh, Entrepreneur. Um, website is is your business franchisable and uh, and I had been doing a bunch of research into intellectual property protection um, we I've been standing over a table for 23 years as a therapist and I always like to call myself I'm just a hippie whack job acupuncturist you know doing cowboy business and trying <laughs> to you know trying trying to figure out how I'm going to actually, you know, survive in this world. But, um, but, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, I've been teaching uh, continuing metal, medical education to providers for a long time now. And when you try to scale something that is very, very difficult to uh, police and, and, and ultimately difficult to enforce, um, it, it's difficult to, to scale a business. And, and the modality that we have created, we do have a proprietary system of treatment, um, but it's very hard to protect via traditional intellectual property protection. I mean, there's no technical trade secret of working with the human body, right? We sequenced it in a unique way. Um, but, uh, but again, when I, when I did my initial research in intellectual property protection, most of the feedback that I got is it's expensive, it takes a long time, and it's really difficult to enforce, and it's expensive to enforce. So when I stumbled upon this, is your business franchisable, um, it checked a lot of boxes for me. Um, not only do we have a proprietary system that we're trying to keep guardrails on the brand, so if we have a, a therapist that we've trained that we can have some recourse for them practicing structural elements with integrity and not representing the brand and saying that they're you know, practicing our work, uh, but they may be mixing it with this, that, and the other. Um, the franchise model also made sense because along the way we had also developed a couple of other products um, that I thought deserved uh, more of a legacy than, than just being a standalone location. Um, and that's, uh, we, we designed a, a beautiful space that's very inspiring. And we've also created uh, very robust operating practices in a cash-based model, which is, uh, which is a big buzz in, in healthcare right now. So I felt like those three things together, having a secret sauce, 
having a, a beautiful space that's reproducible in a, in a pretty generic footprint and uh, having operating practices uh, that, that allow us to survive in, in, in a trending, uh, you know, direction of healthcare. I thought, hey, this is something we ought to look into. I'm glad I didn't have any idea what I was getting myself into because I wouldn't have had the stomach to, to go down the path. But I think this is a case where ignorance is, is in fact, bliss. Very interesting. Um, what did you do before, um, you know, becoming a therapist? Take us back just a little bit further. High school. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, I love it. I, uh, I, had, I, had a, I had a track coach uh, my, my senior, you know, my, my uh, junior and senior year of high school who I credit with the uh, insight. Um, he knew I was interested in something in physical medicine. I mean, I, I knew from an early age that was going to be chiropractic or physical therapy, osteopathy. I was going to do something with my hands, working with athletes in particular. And, uh, and he came up with the idea, hey, why don't you go to massage school out of high school before you go to college? Um, develop a trade that would allow you to make a reasonable wage while you pursue higher education and give you the ability to work in the environment that you're considering, you know, pursuing uh, uh, for, for a terminal degree. And you know, even, even as, you know, a 17, 18 year old kid, that made a lot of sense to me. You know, I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I gain life and work experience and get paid to do it while pursuing, you know, further education. Um, so I, I credit him uh, to, to, to getting me started on that path. And I did just that. I went to massage school right out of high school. I, uh, I you know, was, was, was a bit of a glutton when it came to continuing education. I took everything available at the time. And I maintained the practice uh, all throughout undergrad uh, school uh, out in Colorado and, and grad school in California. Um, so it, it, it was sound advice. So, yeah, before, before, uh, before going into, uh, you know, my professional career here, I was, I was popping pimples and chasing girls. It was about all I was good for, yeah. <laughs> Well, nothing wrong with any of that, right? <laughs> so, Doug, tell us tell us a little bit about this unique spin that you've put on massage therapy and, and what has evolved into structural elements and, and how it differs from other uh, other things that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we consider ourselves to be an orthopedic wellness practice. Now, inherently, those two words, orthopedic and wellness, have a little bit of a rub. Most people don't hear those two, you know, to, to follow one another. Um, but what we do differently is we look at the whole body as a system. And now, you know, I started as a massage therapist. I went on to, to, to study Chinese medicine, which is a lot more than, than, than acupuncture, which is, which is how we're licensed in, in most states. Um, we do manipulations. We do exercise science. We do, you know, we learn uh, dietary therapy, you know, uh, all of it. But in, in structural elements now, um, the, the people that practice this work, what we call an SE treatment, are uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, uh, acupuncturists, anybody that has within their scope of practice the ability to do acupuncture or dry needling, um, soft tissue work, as well as uh, spinal and, and small joint manipulation. Um, we do also offer massage therapy at our clinics, which is uh, we call deep tissue restoration because it's not just a, a fluff and buff, as I like to call it, but it's really trying to improve the, the actual health and, and uh, integrity of the uh, soft tissue itself. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of, of terms that I throw around that are, that are a bit technical, but they are what differentiate us. Um, there's a term called visoelasticity. And basically, this is what happens as we compensate and as we're injured and as we age, we lose the elasticity 
of our tendons, ligaments, and connective tissue. Much of what we're trying to perform is getting people to have better glide between muscle layers, better elasticity to tissue, and then we reduce the mechanical stress on the joints by balancing the body, aligning the joints. Um, the other technical term there is centration. Centration basically means getting a joint to hover in a neutral space. And uh, when we're out of alignment, we have any sort of structural imbalance, we, we load the end range of that joint, which uh, starts to deteriorate that joint, leading to premature degeneration, uh, pain, and dysfunction. Um, so we, 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 what we do differently is we look at the whole body as a system. And, and you know, uh, I oftentimes say people come to us with foot pain, we find solutions in the hips. People come to us with hip pain, we find solutions in the feet. And, uh, and, and believe it or not, uh, the, the way that we charge our patients uh, allows us to practice that way. It, a lot of people have that ideal, um, but because of being pinned down by the, the reimbursement of insurance companies and having to basically follow protocols around insurance reimbursement, um, it's very difficult for people to have the autonomy to practice uh, according to what they view as the most therapeutic uh, outcome for their patients. So that would suggest to me that um, people who come to you are probably coming with more intention, more proactively than, uh, than people who are just looking to find somebody to take pain away. Um, tell us a little bit about who it is that is the, the perfect uh, patient or the perfect consumer for the product. And it would seem to me that because you don't do insurance, um, it is what makes me believe that people are more intentional in, in how they find you or, or they seek out something that goes beyond just what they can get their insurance to reimburse because something is wrong. It sounds to sure. me like people may be more proactive when they come looking for the kinds of treatments that you provide. Yeah, we, if, if I'm going to lump things into three big buckets, we have, you know, uh, kind of different categories of patients. The first is the people that are desperate. They've tried everything else and they haven't gotten relief and they're willing to do anything to get out of pain. And so, you know, somebody tells us, hey, you really got to, you know, go check these guys out. You know, they, they, they do great work. And, and these people have tried everything and they say, well, why stop now? You know, and, and they're, they're hanging on to a, to a long shot. And we actually have a, an extremely high success rate with people in that camp. Um, the next are people that, that really value wellness. You know, these are, these are uh, oddly uh, split between groups of millennials and baby boomers. Um, you know, the, the millennials get it. They, they, they value, um, you know, uh, taking care of themselves. They, they, they value being proactive. And the baby boomers, you know, they've worked hard. They, they maybe now have a little bit of disposable income, and they're bogged down by aches and pains that prevent them from, you know, being on the tennis court, playing golf, or, you know, uh, being able to carry their grandkids around or whatever it might be. And they, and they want that experience, right? But they really kind of fall through the cracks of they're not surgical candidates. They don't really have a diagnosis that sends them to PT. Uh, and, and, and they want to they wanna get results, right? They want to get back out there. And then the third camp is we work with a lot of high-caliber athletes. And, and, and actually, it's a very similar process to the people that come in who are, who are desperate and really banged up. Um, it's, it's, it's body balancing and, and the same body balancing that gets somebody out of pain that takes pressure off of a bulge disc or a, or a red hot nerve that's being compressed is the same body balancing that gets an elite runner to, 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 you know, maximize their efficiencies. So, um, we have a bit of a spectrum, um, but certainly, uh, you know, we, we, we turn everybody, at least we educate patients that everybody uh, is a lifelong candidate for our work. 
um, nobody ever graduates uh, from structural elements because you can always benefit. And if, if you, if you stay away too long, some of these patterns are going to reform. So we really do. This is something, you know, and I, I draw the parallel. You can't go to the gym and work out for a, uh, uh, you know, a week or work out for three weeks and think you're going to be fit for the rest of your life. Right. It's an unrealistic expectation. So why people think that they can, you know, go and get their bodies realigned and then they should just be done, right? It's an unrealistic expectation. Um, you know, life, life is going to catch up, so uh, it, it takes being proactive. And, uh, and we, because of our approach, we have the ability to always find ways to improve the body. Well, I guess I'm going to be taking a different approach. Uh, I seem to have that, that type of uh, philosophy. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segreto along with Stan Friedman, and as a result of our originally scheduled guest, Dennis Elliott from Mako, who's been stuck in a huge delay with uh, American Airlines, we're talking today with Doug Bertram, CEO and founder of Structural Elements and also a hippie acupuncture therapist. (laughs) That's That's a tongue twister. Franchise Today is brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best in class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and perspective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about Franchise Foundry along with their expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. So, Doug, as we went into the break, you were kind of making an analogy of going to the gym and, and, and how you can't expect to just do that once or twice and have, you know, body beautiful for the rest of your life. When you were making the analogy to the gym, I was thinking, too, about chiropractic, because there, too, it's a lot of people – are critical that, you know, chiropractors just keep you on this forever treadmill of coming back again and again. But, uh, but your analogy would make as much sense there, too. You're putting your body into alignment and then expecting it to stay that way forever. It's just not something that is commonsensical. So tell us, then, 
when someone does come to you for a visit, what is it that happens? What you, what's the experience that the consumer has? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to just touch on the, the chiropractic model there just a little bit because we do employ chiropractors that deliver our services. And where I think, you know, there's a bit of a rub for people about having to go multiple times is when, uh, when you know, if, if, if the same adjustments are done on each patient and it, it's a bit of a, of a high volume, you know, mill for lack of better words, um, you know, results are going to be short lived and, and every profession is, 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 is you know, both uh, guilty of, of having, you know, people that give it a bad name and they're, they're also credited with, with, you know, having, you know, rock stars within their field. And there are a number of chiropractors that do soft tissue work, that do strengthening and, and, and lengthening home exercise programs to, to empower their patients to be able to uh, adopt change and become less and less dependent on the, the therapy itself. So our goal for everybody, yes, we just said, you know, you're going to need us for the rest of your life, okay? And, but at the same time, there's also going to be a, an ongoing commitment and process of trying to educate you and empower you to make lifestyle changes and develop good habits that make you less and less dependent. Or when you do come, we're working on trying to, you know, refine your performance or make you feel great versus, you know, keeping you in a, on a hamster wheel of, of pain and breaking the pain cycle. So when somebody comes to us, you know, we start with a health history. We get them in the room. We then explain to them our process, um, which is ultimately we, we start every patient in, in, in standing, and uh, we triangulate off the bony landmarks, and we measure how their body is out of balance. We always say that we're of the pelvis school of thought. If the hips are out, it's going to cause problems above and below. Um, doesn't matter who you are and what you do, you want your eyes and ears to be level. It's called a neutral horizon. It's where we get all of our auditory and visual information from. So if the hips are out, you're going to start to curve your spine, you're going to drop a shoulder, and you're going to crank your neck. Well, guess what? I could adjust your neck every day of the week for the rest of your life, but if nobody ever fixes your pelvis, it's going to keep hurting. Okay? So we take a step back, we look through a wide-angle lens, and we really look at what the source of the problem is. We then get a patient on the table, and, uh, and we hunt around for, again, another technical term, where that patient has formed something called a focal adhesion. It's where connective tissue is stuck together to gain that mechanical advantage to, to, to compensate for the imbalance. We use needles in this practice in the structural elements treatment. That freaks a lot of people out, and I realize that. Um, they're hair thin. They're, they're sterile, single-use needles. Um, they're, they're so thin that we have to use a little plastic tube to insert them that all you really feel is a tap. There's really no pain associated. And that needle is going to help uh, literally wind the fibers of the connective tissue in that adhesion around the needle, get a connective tissue uh, cell change where it's going to release a chemical constituent that's going to uh, reduce that adhesion and get those muscles to glide again. That's going to take pressure out of the system. We adjust the body to line you back up. We stand you back up. We check to make sure we got everything back to its home. And then we're going to teach you strengthening and lengthening exercises to try to keep it there. We're big fans of posture, okay? We, we talk a lot about what we call big-picture posture. So just simple postural cues, simple exercises that restore muscular balance on either side of the joint. And it's amazing how people start to be conscious of how they're using the body and that just that's the you know good habits start to to lead into more good habits. Well, you definitely got me sitting up upright in my chair right now. <laughs> Everybody um, does yeah, when you say that. I could be in a room full of 100 people and 100 people are going to slouching and yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. 
Absolutely. That was, that, was, that was some great information, Doug. I was, I was actually going to say, this, guy, so, this guy's no slouch, Paul. This guy's no slouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be our, our weekly pun, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Doug, tell us, a, you know, obviously a well-thought-out uh, business model. You decide to uh, go into franchising. And, you know, one of the, uh, the things a lot of candidates, you know, wonder about is, you know, what do I do? You know, what does a day in the life of a franchisee look like? Yeah, so um, a lot of people would think that our primary candidate for who we want to open these things are chiropractors and physical therapists and practitioners who are looking to hang a shingle. And and actually, it, it's, it, it may have started out that way, but it's evolved past that. I mean, ultimately, right now, we are trying to attract uh, multi-unit multi-brand owners. Um, and there's a reason for that. We, we think that this work is extremely beneficial. Um, this is, this is a mission based, uh, endeavor here. Okay. It's a passion project. Do I want to make a good living for myself? You bet. I do. Um, and I don't think that making a good living and, and, and doing so through ethical means needs to be mutually exclusive of one another. Um, I think you can accomplish the both both at the same time. And and ultimately, you know, franchise is a great vehicle for doing that. But we, we want there's there's economy with scale. You know, it, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, the unit economics of a single unit who are trying to hire somebody to go do their marketing and outreach, hire somebody that knows how to run a business operationally, have, you know, medical providers on staff. I mean, you're, you're going to start to squeeze your margins of, of you know, unit economics when you're, when you're trying to have all of those uh, things under one roof. But when you start spreading that out over a metro area where you may have four or five units, um, now all of a sudden our economics get, get really strong. And, um, and, and for us, you know, let's be honest, if you're not making money, if you're not keeping the lights on, um, you know, you're, you don't have the culture of happiness and wellness and, and, and the, re- the reduction of stress. You have stress and, <laughs> and you have, you know, people that are, are um, you know, not looking to, to, to promote prosperity and wellness in their community, but you have people that are, that are you know, uh, uptight, you know. So um, for us, uh, the day in the life really is, um, is having a very lean business model of having therapists in the treatment room changing lives, having friendly uh, patient care coordinators, as we call them, who are welcoming people. But the experience starts when somebody calls in to make the appointment. So, you know, we, we try to have a robust culture of, of, of a friendly environment. We're very community-focused. We get involved in a lot of athletic events. We do a lot of business-to-business, uh, you know, team building and, and uh, relationship building because we want to be the go-to, you know, clinic in, in, in each community. And, uh, and people don't have access to, to this kind of niche market of care. So the, the goal is, you know, to expand the offering so people have access to care, but at the same time, you know, keep, keep the culture alive. So where are you going to find these franchisees? And why don't you talk a little bit about, what, since you've told us, you know, a little bit about who they shouldn't be or how they shouldn't expect to try to um, make a sustainable business out of a single location. Um, give us a look at who you're looking for and who ought to be looking for you. What would, what would other than some of the therapists or chiropractors that you've already um, talked about, who, who would be bringing the perfect life skills from a past life into this business for you? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I use the term multi-unit, multi-brand. And, and, and ultimately, there, there's a movement, and you see it a lot in secondary and tertiary markets, even in major metros, where uh, there, there's a, you know, a health food store anchor followed by, you know, a, a bunch of lifestyle pods around them. Um, there's been an explosion in the boutique premium fitness space, um, you know, with your Orange Theory uh, fitness growth, your core power yoga, club Pilates, you know, uh, cycle bar, pure bar, you know. And, and, and these, these, are, these are parallels to, to what we're offering. Um, if, if I were to identify, you know, our perfect scenario of who's going to open these franchises, it's, uh, you know, multi-unit owner companies that, that have already had success with a first or second brand and are looking to leverage their management team to open and, and add to their portfolio of a symbiotic brand. We, we play so nice with, with the premium boutique fitness space. I mean, if we open up next to an Orange Theory or a Club Pilates, that, that unit owner now gets to double down and, and leverage their customer base a second time. They get to extract more efficiencies out of their management. They already know franchise. You know, they're already putting food on the table. You know, we don't want for somebody to, to, to you know, go into this and, and really be strapped and stressed uh, for, for their runway to get the business up, up to speed. We want to find people that already have access to our core demographic of patient that already, you know, understand the economics of, of starting and running a business and that we can really set the business up so that the customer and patient experience is, is, is at a premium level. Before Paul jumps in with his next question, I just want to follow up on something that you kind of made me start thinking about as I was listening to your reply. Would a doctor of chiropractic who already has, or, or anyone for that matter that's a professional services provider in, in practice already, would they be able to bolt this on to their existing business or would they have to establish a retail location? Yeah, it, it would it would need to be a, a, a rebrand. I mean, and that is that is certainly somebody that we would entertain if somebody is coming in with a book of business. Um, you know, one of one of the differentiators. You know, if it's a a mom pop chiropractic clinic, um, one of one of the big disadvantages that they have is liquidity. So when when they look at exit strategy at the end of, of, of their tutelage, um, you know, it, it's really hard to put a valuation on a practice that was built around an individual's charismatic, you know, uh, ability to build relationships. And when you're part of a bigger system, it gives that same business owner, you know, more liquidity at, at, at the end of their career. Um, but also starting with the book of business, bringing it under a roof, um, maybe adding some of the ancillary services that we add. We also have a, a storefront retail component. Um, so, you know, adding that uh, additional revenue stream, um, you know, we have a robust marketing plan in place. So uh, that chiropractor that maybe, you know, hit a ceiling with, with their skill set, maybe they're looking for that next stage of growth and, and, and they're bringing their book of business in. We would certainly entertain that for the right person, right? But, um, but again, they've got to really understand uh, that, that the runway has to be long enough, you know, for, for, for them to get. Um, what we say up to half capacity of a clinic, that's kind of where the, the unit economics start to get into a sweet spot. And then 50% to 100% capacity is, is, is you know, that, that's all I see on the cake. So, Doug, um, you know, Franchise Today, as, of course, Badlands Booker uh, sings in the song, talks about, you know, sustainable 
you know, franchising. And, and obviously you have a solid foundation. You have a handful of locations. Uh, what do you see in the future that's going to lend towards, you know, making your brand a sustainable brand, both from a market standpoint, maybe it's from a particular a geographic area in the country, or just overall? What would you yeah, answer think- to, you know, that question about, you know, what makes you believe that over a period of time that this is a sustainable model in franchising? Yeah, so let's start with the product first. Is that um, you know this is something that we are we are not uh, threatened by online sales. Okay, it's a service-based industry that requires people to actually be there in person, so we're less vulnerable to some of those uh, you know changes. Um, we're not a trend. We're not a fad, right? And and you know I I, I certainly don't want to uh, you know talk out of both sides of my mouth and say, we want to work with, you know, with boutique premium fitness brands and then turn around and say that they're vulnerable to, to, to fad changes. Right. But it, it's a crowded space and, you know, something, something else comes along that, you know, it, it, there can be some flux there. Well, people, people are always going to have sore backs and people are always going to have, you know, the desire to be more active. I mean, it's, it, it is, uh, the healthcare industry is something that is, is a basic human need that isn't going to change. Um, you know, I, I hope that I'm wrong, but the writing on the wall here is our health uh, care system is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, people are fed up with, with high premiums and, uh, and, and continued, continued, uh, less, um, you know, value to, to what, what they're, they're getting for their insurance dollar. Um, co-pays are going up anyway. So, you know, the honest uh, truth is if somebody's going to physical therapy and paying copay out of pocket and they're going three times a week, we're, we're, we're a, a great value proposition for that same person. We're, we're actually cheaper out of pocket than what they'd be paying for their copay. So the, the insurance versus the non-insurance uh, thing is really a, a non-issue once somebody actually understands the mechanics of how we work. Um, and, you know, we, we get results, right? And, and that's, it's like, you know, we do well in, you know, in, in, in Idaho, right? It's, it's, you know, the show me state where you have to, you have to, you know, ultimately um, in a cash-based practice, our contract is with our patient. And if we don't get our patients well, right, then they vote with their dollar, right? If, if, if they're referred by a physician and they're paying their insurance, we just have to make the insurance company happy to get paid. You know, but because of that, you know, we're very customer focused and any of our patients, uh, whether, you know, whether their back pain is gone or not, um, we have an extremely, uh, you know, high satisfaction rating uh, when it comes to patients overall experience with us. You know, and, 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 and I think that that's only going to increase with scale um, and, and, and we'll take every measure we can to, to ensure that. Give us a little bit of uh, insight into the, um, the, the financial uh, investment required and the type of locations that uh, you'll be looking for in the future. Yeah, we're, we're a pretty lean business model. I mean, you know, we charge $45,000 for our franchise fee. Um, we, we, you know, we make money off of 6% of, of, of gross sales as our royalty. Um, we have an independent 2% marketing, you know, fund that, that goes towards supporting local units. But um, but build out in a in a you know 2,000 square foot footprint, which gives you four treatment rooms and what we call our lab. Um, lab is learn and apply balance. It's where we do our, our strength and lengthening exercise. Um, build out is about you know in the, in the neighborhood of around $250,000. You know so 
Um, if you give yourself, uh, you know, a few months of operating capital, you know, you're still south of $300,000, you know, to, to, to get up and running. Um, that footprint we think is, is, is important uh, to, to, you know, keep the pressure uh, kind of lit on a pressure cooker, so to speak. Uh, you, you want a certain amount of scarcity in terms of your schedule. Um, you don't want to have it be that you have so much real estate that people can just call in uh, on a whim and, and always get an appointment. I and mean, then you want people in order to value the, the, the wellness component, you want people to schedule in advance. Otherwise they'll fall off, you know? Um, and it takes a few months of them, you know, committing to it to really feel, wow, like when I, when I, when I do this, I, I feel a lot better, you know, in some markets, uh, you know, we, we would allow for somebody to really expand the lab and do more fitness offering. Um, and, and again, in, in a major metro, uh, I think that the sweet spot there is having small satellites and maybe in, in, a, in a secondary market, you know, in a suburban area, maybe having a, a larger center that, you know, is, is, is kind of uh, the hub, but then, you know, smaller satellite uh, location. So you can easily survive in as little as 1,000 square feet and, uh, you know, we're, we're 4,000 square feet here at headquarters with seven treatment rooms uh, and, and, and a lot of real estate. You know, something that gives me a tremendously high level of confidence in, in your business model is your passion is evident and your knowledge of your business is evident as well. And a lot of times we speak with young emerging franchisors who, while they are as as evidently confident and competent in their core business offerings, they somehow forget that they need the same level of professionalism involved in the other side of their business, which is the scaling of the franchise. And in your case, it became evident to me that with the addition of someone like Susan King Glosby on the ops side, um, you've already begun with the end in mind in that you're contemplating the need to have someone supporting these franchisees. And just before we went live on air, I asked you an off-air question about development, and you came back with the best of all possible answers when you said, slowing down, I'm not there yet. Um, tell us about your relationship with Ben Latayan and, and Georgetown and how that's playing into helping you begin with the end in mind and roll out properly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, if there's, if there's one thing I'm smart enough to do, it's to hire people that are smarter than me, right? You can't be, you can't be an expert at all things. Right. And I'm very confident in what I do in the treatment room. I'm very confident in my ability to teach it. I don't claim to be an expert in franchise for a second. And again, when we started this process, you know, we first we, we used Valerie Mayoni of, of Mid-Atlantic uh, Franchise Associates to write our ops manual because she came highly recommended as like she's the person that you want to work with if she'll take you, you know. And, and that process alone was, you know, uh, again, a combination of, of, of cowboy business, what we do and best practice what we should be doing. So at every, at every crossroads, we've tried to, to put in place, you know, enterprise scalable solutions that, that will be able to grow with us. But, you know, Susan, you know, was a, was a huge find for us of being able to really lock in our operational practices and brings a lot of experience, you know, to the table. And, you know, in, in Dr. Ben at Georgetown, I met him at, uh, at IFA in Phoenix this year. And, uh, you know, he just stopped and talked to me for like 45 minutes just with, you know, open book. And, and the thing that really got me about him is he is passionate about franchise as a vehicle for social change, right? Using the franchise as a way to scale something that is, can offer something positive to the world. And we are very mission driven, you know, and, and, and I've said from the get go that my, my goal is 
to be, I want to, and this is part of why franchise, I want to be the guru, not the boss. Okay. I want to be the one that teaches, you know, therapists and mentors therapists. I don't want to, to have, uh, you know, a lot of employees. So when it comes to, you know, how are all the big guys who are scaling fast, how are they doing it? Right. Um, you know, we're trying to better understand what the mechanics in the game of franchise really is and what better than to talk to the professor of franchise. Right. So we brought, no you know, we brought, we brought Ben in on the project cause you know, he's the, the, the smartest guy when it comes to this stuff that I've come across. And, and ultimately we're really trying to figure out the architecture of how do we work with area developers and, you know, then territory sales, because I want to create a ring of, of operations and fulfillment around our core company so that we can exist as an educational company. That's what we founded on. That's why we selected franchises to be able to, to be that. And, uh, and I don't want to get caught up in, in, you know, somebody comes stumbling along with a $45,000 franchise fee check and, and, you know, uh, and, and I get, you know, starry eyed of, of, well, that would be nice at this point in the game. You know, I really want to make sure that we don't give up you know, tempting uh, short-term uh, points on the board for and, and, and end up with long-term headaches. You know, you're going to have a headache one way or the other. I'm choosing to have the headache up front by putting, uh, you, know, uh, you know, operating systems and good strategy in place so that, that my franchisees don't have to have the headache with me later in the game. Well, certainly a, a good triple crown team, um, knowing, uh, you know, Susan, Valerie, and, uh, and Ben, uh, certainly, those are some great franchise professionals. So, uh, I believe you are in in good hands. So, with the last few minutes that we have in the show, why don't you tell our listeners how they could learn more uh, about your franchise opportunity? Maybe you're going to be at a trade show or something, or just give them just the basic information on how they could learn more about structured elements. Structural. Yeah, I mean elements. the. Yeah, structural elements. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, the, the easiest is, is, is via our website, which we uh, structuralelements.com. Um, we have a franchise tab on there that goes to franchise.structuralelements.com that talks a little bit more about the offering. And uh, I'm a very available, transparent guy because um, I've asked others to do the same, and they've given me open doors and open arms. So uh, why would why would I let the book stop with me? Um, but uh, but I'm just Doug at StructuralElements.com, and you know if if you want to you know hear some of our growing pains, I'd be happy to share the stories. But um, but also you know if, it, if it's an interesting proposition and you'd like to learn more about the mechanics of the offering um, as a potential franchisee, I mean. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll send you information. We've, we've put together a really nice, um, you know, booklet that has all of the, uh, the, the mechanics of the offering in there. Um, and, uh, if you guys couldn't tell in, in the past 45 minutes, uh, I, I love to talk given the opportunity. So, uh, I never shy away from, from the opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to slap the gums a little bit. So uh, by all means, uh, I, I, I'm accessible. Well, great. We appreciate you being uh, our guest today. And, again, I want to give a special thanks uh, for doing so uh, at the last minute. Uh, otherwise, people would have been bored with Stan and I just talking to each other. Maybe they wouldn't have been. I don't know. But thanks anyway. Yeah. Not a problem. It's very serendipitous. I had a very unique uh, hour window in the middle of my day here, which never occurs. So, obviously, uh, the stars were aligning. That's, that's your final there you go. In the, uh, the, <laughs> the hippie whack job acupuncturist. Right now, I can talk about astrology, <laughs> too. So. Yeah, there are no coincidences, is what I always say. So, it, uh, 
it's been a real pleasure talking with somebody who clearly is on a mission to do well by doing good. I love that, Paul. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Stan, another uh, show, uh, despite uh, some technical snafus at the uh, beginning of the show, despite um, our originally scheduled guest, Dennis Elliott, uh, of Mako floating around in the air someplace at 30,000 feet. Uh, hope he's having some safe travels. And we look forward to having him uh, on a future segment of Franchise Today. Uh, I was really interested in talking about nobody is saying, uh-oh, about strong ROI and growth potential uh, of going to get Mako, uh, obviously a play on that. But, you know, I think um, Doug Bertram did a, did a great job, you know, talking about, you know, the growth of his business. I think it's got some good foundational components, uh, some great perspective, well-spoken. And, again, our thanks to him. Uh, Stan, what do you have going on between now and next week? Well, Paul, I've got a couple of airplane rides, uh, one to the south and one to the west. I'll be heading down to Palm Beach on Friday for the uh, second advisory board meeting of the Titus Franchise Centers at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University. Looking forward to that as Dr. Hayes has gotten the board together and uh, formulated some committees and, and the work begins. So I'm proud to be chairing his strategic planning committee and uh, working with a fine group of professionals, and we'll be talking more about that in the weeks ahead. Awesome. Awesome. Well, safe travels. Until next week, my name is Paul Segretta, wishing the best, the very best, in this great, great thing we call franchising, and Franchise Today is out. (laughs) Franchise pros, stand amazed, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Want to lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion likes that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well pay attention to this podcast that you hear It's streaming in HD to fine-tune above your ears And Stan and Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising Proven concepts to start enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising.